Hello and welcome to the Skytime podcast with me, Simon Cousins. This is the podcast that promotes Sky and profiles the people that drive the island's economy. It's also a celebration of Sky's vibrant history, culture and environment and aims to gently persuade visitors to spend more time, get off the beaten track and experience more of what our island has to offer. This week is a double celebration. It's a celebration of the return in print form of one of the most important cultural features of Sky, the West Highland Free Press. And this week's edition of the Free Press is the first under the editorship of Keith McKenzie. Keith, welcome to the Skytime podcast. Hi, Simon. Yeah. Now, firstly, congratulations. How have you felt this week putting your first paper out? Uh, yeah, very good. It's been a relief and happy to be back. Everyone's just delighted to, that we're back in back in print once again. It's been a, di- a difficult and, and tricky few months for everyone, so I think just to be back in the run of things again and uh, to get getting back to producing a, a paper, the paper's been around for a long time now, so hopefully people will have missed it. Would you describe this as the biggest challenge the paper has faced in its uh, 40-odd year history? Certainly in, in the time I've been there, I've been at the paper's 17 years so um, I would say uh, I, in, in my time there uh, without without doubt but uh, I can't really speak for for what went on before but uh, yeah it's, it's been very challenging indeed. So when did you start to realise that coronavirus was going to have such a, a major impact on the paper? It was becoming clear you know as, as time went on in, into late February early March everybody was you know it was just this climate of, of fear was starting to take over everybody and you know everybody was getting very anxious and worried so I think there was no chance that any business was going to be immune from it and I think as, as the weeks and the days went on in March is a worrying time. So I suppose that the most obvious area that you would see the impact of coronavirus on a newspaper would be advertising. Describe how advertising revenues fell during that period. Well I think so much so many businesses around in Sky and Lochalsh and the West Highlands, hospitality and tourism businesses do provide a big proportion of our advertising. Specifically, a good example of that is the visitor, which was due to go out in time for Easter. It would have been the magazine that we produced three times a year, the guide, the visitor guide for the West Highlands and Islands. It carries extensive advertising as well and extensive information for, for visitors. That's very valuable to us as a business and obviously most of these businesses that were advertising were going to be closed. So we couldn't print it. And obviously, if you're not printing it and you're not distributing it, you're not getting any advertising revenue from that. So that's a massive hit in, in the first instance. And then other things as well are, are going to going to be a hit for your advertising. There's not going to be the same community events. There's not going to be the same offers in hotels or, or restaurants. Every business was going to have to take a, a period of closure. And as they took a period of as they closed and as they wound their operations down as well their advertising budgets were going to be affected too so it's a big challenge yeah it became obvious to us that that the impacts were really significant. As most people know the Free Press is an employee-owned newspaper describe the meeting that took place where you were having to make these tough decisions about stopping printing. Yeah it was was a strange time in regards to these meetings I suppose because We'd all been operating remotely uh, after lockdown, so that was 
I think we all actually, our last day in the office together was about the 18th of March. I think it was a Thursday. We had published as normal that week. But the decision obviously then was made that we would all work from home. Preparations had been taking place that, that week in the run up to that because we had it sort of been starting to anticipate that moves would be made to you know allow people to work from home. So we, we worked from home and we published for the next, I think, four or five editions, actually. Everybody at home, everybody working remotely, people are taking their equipment home and that was working okay. We were offering a re- more reduced product, but it was working okay in the end, just in terms of the number of papers that were being sold, amount of advertising that was, was being generated. It was becoming clear that if we were to continue operating in that way, it was going to be you know, hugely challenging to keep the business going into the future. So, you know, the decision was was taken that it was just going to be very, very, very tough to carry on. So we made the decision to, to pause print operations. And uh, I think there wasn't really another choice facing us at that point. Putting aside the business, as a journalist, this is potentially the biggest story in a generation. How did that make you feel, having to stop printing? Yeah, it was hard to think of, of the emotions. You know, you just really think, well, this this is something that um, has been around for so long and, you know, has played a big part in all of our lives. So we were all, I think, just really sad about it. But at the same time, there was a d- determination that we would bounce back and come back again. It, this was going to be a temporary pause. Initially, we didn't expect it to last until until June, but I think, like everybody else, we, we hadn't quite realised the the full implications and how long uh, this would have an impact on everybody's lives. So June was reviewed till a bit later in, in, in August in the end. So I think in myself, I think I was determined and, and we were all keen that um, the paper would survive in some way. We have the internet, we have a website. So we thought, well, let's try and keep a presence going throughout the pause from print. How did you go about news gathering during the online phase? Uh, well, it was just uh, it, it was back to the to the old principles, really. Um, it was just myself initially, and it was just a case of you know I was just working from home, but I just had to keep an eye on what was going on, phone and talk to people, just you know keep in touch and and uh, and get the stories out. And our columnists who regularly feature in the in the paper, they were keen and agreed that they would carry on submitting columns as well. So. I said, well, we'll keep a website going because I think it's good to keep the name out there and it's good to to keep people informed as well. I think it's important to to keep some kind of service. And and as it turned out, there were some really significant stories happened. So I think it was really important that we had the the free press covering them. After, um, I think it was the first three weeks or so, um, I was just working on my own. Adam Gordon was able to come out of furlough uh, then and come back on board. So the two of us were working together then. How much of a challenge was it covering the the home farm story? Yeah, but that's a big challenge. It's just firstly such an an awful tragedy to to befell the island, and I think you know when you're covering a story like that for a, for you know for a local newspaper, the most important thing you always have to consider is the impact on people, uh, the human element of things. Uh, so it has to be handled with accuracy. It's really important. Uh, you have to be sure of what you're writing and you have to be empathetic as well initially i think you know i really wanted to focus on the people that were were most affected that was a you know the clear clear local story there that people wanted to know about there was so much you know sympathy for people 
Um, and I think it was important that uh, local media reflected that. And how did the local coverage differ from the national coverage? Because it did very much become a national story and an international story. Yeah, I think um, you know, locally we wanted to certainly get the views of the families reflected. It was really keen as well to have the lives of those the people's lives to be remembered. And I think it's important that they're remembered as, as people and not just statistics. I think when you see something like that and you see the the death toll starting to rise, there's, you know, there's a danger sometimes at death tolls that, that they become reported quite glibly sometimes, you know, it's just another death and another death. And, you know, we have, you always have to remember that that's a person, there's a family there that's affected um, and that their lives are, are going to be changed forever by it. So I think when you're reporting something like that for the, for the local media, these are the sort of things you have you usually have to remember. With such a big local story during this time, how did readership figures go online compared to prior to lockdown? Well, our readership figures were very good online. We got we got a very good response to some of our coverages on, on a range of stories. It was very, very popular. Um, and I think uh, Adam Gordon, who has done some analysis on this, and he said that up to uh, up until July, I think, in the period we, we had received something in the region of 400,000 page views, individual page views. So that was very 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 extensive and uh, you know there's feedback coming in from from all over the world i mean just to to use an ex- i suppose a good example you were mentioning there of, of when something local becomes national and, and international as well when i was covering the, the home farm story the, the new york times did a story on that and one of the first phone calls they made uh, when investigating this story was to me uh, was to, to us as the local paper they wanted to get the local feedback on it as well so i think um, you know, I think that shows the importance of a, of a well-informed local media. So does that experience give you food for thought in terms of the direction of the business in the future? I think it does. I mean, I think there's no question that, you know, we're, we're living in a, in a digital age. Uh, we're living in an, in an era where consumer habits are changing, customer habits are changing, and so many things are going online. People are using their their phones and laptops and, and tablets to, to access everything in, in their lives so there's no doubt that, that media is going to be you know, in the same bracket so I, I think um, that has to be embraced but as I said in, in our kind of Facebook post welcome everybody back uh, or welcoming, welcoming the paperback at the moment the most effective way to support what we do and the, the journalism that we do and we think it's important the most effective way you can do that is still to buy the paper or to or indeed to advertise in it. So, um, yeah, I mean, until a, a model's found where you can you know, generate money from publishing online, then I think the publishing in, a phys- in physical form is, is always going to be important. So how did you decide on the date for the return of the paper? Well, I think we were just, that was something we were working towards from probably the early part of July, really. Well, in fact, even, even before that, I think it was a kind of indicative target after we you know it was clear that we weren't going to be able to come back in june as we had intended we sort of focused ahead and said well we'll go for the end of july beginning of august so we set a date then and we just kept reviewing it kept saying is this going to be possible and yeah and then we thought right we'll we'll aim for that and uh, it was decided that people would come back out of out of furlough start to come out of the of, of furlough and get back to work on the 20th of july 
and gradually from then on we would work towards the publication date of this week so yeah and, and here we are We'll come back to the paper in a moment, but I just want to spend a bit of time looking at your career up to this point. It wasn't always about journalism. Talk me through the jobs you've had. Well, um, I suppose yeah, it wasn't always about journalism, but it was always. I think it, I think it was something I always wanted to do right from from quite a young age. But um, yeah, I was born and brought up here um, in in Kilachin. Went to school in Kilachin and then Poetry. Uh, after school, I went to university in Glasgow. I studied uh, at Glasgow University. I, I studied history and did four years there, four good years there. I suppose I did four years and wasn't really too sure. I suppose I had a, an inkling for journalism, really, but I wasn't quite sure, it's maybe in some ways, how to go about getting a career in journalism. But I came back home. I was working, well, I had worked for the Highlands of Scotland Tourist Board. And then I came back home, I was working. I worked for a year as a postman. I worked for Royal Mail over in Kyle and worked in, in Popton and Kilarkin as well. Very enjoyable year it was and got to know a lot of people through that as well. And I suppose I got to the, you know, I suppose it was about 22 and I thought, well, I better try and do something else. going to be a bit more career focused. So I went back to Glasgow and did a college course in, in journalism and kind of had been looking around after I'd done that, looking around for jobs in the central belt really hadn't thought too hard about, about coming home, but I came home for the summer anyway, and I was working for, for um, Marine Harvest on fish farms. Again, I enjoyed that for the summer as well. We were with a, a mobile team, and I got to know a, a, quite a few people uh, and got to know an industry that would, that was, uh, that would end up writing about, so it was funny. And I was doing that for a few months, and then probably was thinking, actually, I, I would have to go back in the winter, and I would go back to to Glasgow or Edinburgh or somewhere. But a job came up at the West Island Free Press. I think it came up in the September or something. I had been home since the April. And uh, yeah, I just applied for it and I, I got it and started in the late October 2003. Um, and I've been here ever since. <laughs> that was it. Again, it was one of those where you just thought, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll give it, you know, two or three years. And it ended up. You know, I obviously have enjoyed the job uh, a lot, and uh, in 2009, we also, you know, the opportunity arose that that we as employees could become owners of the of the company. So that was something we had to think long and hard about. But um, we took that step in 2009. So, and I became a, a director of the of the business after that too, and that brings us up to to today and, and becoming the editor this year. You worked for 17 years under the editorship of Ian McCormack, uh, who was editor for 44 years before he retired. How important was learning from his experience? Okay, very important. Uh, Ian's been a you know a giant of a figure in, in local journalism and, and Scottish journalism, I think as well. The paper is, you know, the name it's achieved and some of the celebrated stories have all happened under you know his direction, his leadership, and I think I've learned a lot from him just in terms of you know his attitude to work his attitude to the community his attitude how to you know approach people his values and and his ethics as well and he's been you know he's he's been such a great great guy to work for and uh, you know he's one of these bosses he would he would always have your back he would always stick up for for his journalists as, as well he would always be prepared any flack that came the way of the paper, he would always be prepared to sort of take it on board. And and I think um, you know the paper was he, he dedicated so much of his life 
to the paper, and I think that the community and, and the community served by the paper own an enormous debt, as well as the, all the journalists that have worked for them over the years. The Free Press has always had a reputation for solid campaigning journalism. What are the stories you're most proud of? Um, yeah, I think from from a personal perspective, the last few months actually, you know, I think it's been really important. The you know, covering coronavirus and its impacts, and uh, you know, seeing, you know, as well as obviously the, the the tragedy of Home Farm and all the questions that arise from that and the, the investigating that goes on around that. I think in some ways, uh, you know, as a as a local journalist here, you're happy to almost be a voice for for the community in terms of reflecting and, and writing about so many of the good things, you know, the, the, the heroic things that people do, the, you know, as I, as I was writing this week, it's sort of extraordinary or ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And there's so, so much of that in our, our community. And I think if you've got a, a good and uh, thriving local media, then it helps to reflect that. And I think it's good that that work does go noticed. So in many regards, these are the things I'm, I'm most proud of, is just meeting people and telling their stories. There's a kind of historical element to it as well, you know, when you're you're meeting people that have done tremendous things. I just I think back even uh, I think it was a couple of years ago that um, you'll, you'll know Jimmy Clark in Breckish there, you know, a veteran of one of the few remaining veterans of of D Day. I made me really proud to be able to tell that you know to feature that story in our paper, for example, and that's just one that comes to mind. I just think. Uh, it's really important that people like that are celebrated. And I think a local newspaper can do that really effectively. I suppose the flip side of being a journalist in a relatively small community is that uh, you see many people on a regular basis and journalists are not always the most popular. Do you get a bit of flack every now and again? <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll get criticism. Um, I think that's to be expected. I think that in some ways we live in a kind of world where things can be fractious, you know, particularly in the, in the media and online. But I think it's important, you know, that we're the face of it as well. People know who, who we are and we'll always be available to talk to anybody who wants to, to raise any concerns. If you're a newspaper or any media, you don't expect everybody to agree with everything that's in the paper. You wouldn't be doing your job properly if that was the case. You know, you, then it, you know there's always going to be some discussion about what's written or what somebody said or, or what's emerged. And, you know, I think that's healthy as long as it's constructively and it's conducted civilly, I, I would always welcome that. You were given the award of Highland Journalist of the Year this year. How proud of you of that achievement? Yeah, very proud. That was a nice surprise. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was just it was nice. We, we go to these awards every every year, every February. It's that it's kind of highlight of the Highlands and Islands media scene. And uh, yeah, fortunately enough, because there's so many good reporters and journalists out there. In the in the north of Scotland, doing great work. We've got a, a very good media scene, I think, in the, in the islands and islands, in radio, online, and TV, and in print as well. And so it's it's a great chance to catch up with people. And when you're given that award uh, among your peers and among very respected and, and high quality journalists, then yeah, it's something to be proud of. So you've now been appointed editor. Talk me through how the appointment process works in an employee-owned company. Well, I mean, I, I think if this was just a case of my fellow employees. Uh, you know, they, they, it was it was them who made the decision. That, that's really um, how I, I became the editor. I was very uh, humbled to have been asked and uh, very happy to have been asked as well. 
every new editor wants to make a splash, and you've certainly done that this week with your, your front page. You've reasserted the original aims and values of the paper. Talk me through your decision-making process and, and what people will see when they pick up the paper. It was something I was conscious of. I thought, well, when we come back, we want to we want to make an impact. And it was led by the stories as we started to discuss last week as to what might be in the paper this week. You know, in the back of my mind, well, I saw that and this is I made the link, you know, seeing some of the stories and think, well, that, you know, that's always, it's a great motto to, that's guided the paper uh, for 48 years since it started. Uh, and she and Cannons, the Dunia, the land, the language, the people, and it sums it up so well. I think it's a great catch line for the paper. It's a great way of in, encapsulating the, the values of the paper. And I think the values of, of a lot of the people who live in our, our communities as well, all these things are important to them. So I thought, what better, better way? to mark a return and to and to go heavy and to go large with, with those three ideas. So um, that's what's on the front page and hopefully it's, it's made an impact as you'll see it in the, in the shops today. In terms of the people element of your core values, you've made it very clear that you will be fighting for the residents and families of the residents of Home Farm. What specifically are you looking to do in terms of storytelling in the weeks and months ahead? Well, I think... The, the, the families, they need answers. They need to know, because they still don't know how coronavirus took hold in, in that setting. It was so vulnerable, a setting, We've got a lethal pandemic, and it was well summed up. One family member had said to me very early on that this is the worst place in Sky that, that this thing can hit, and, and so it proved. So they still need to know why and, and how it was able to take hold there. And they'll, they'll want to know if things were done that could have protected their loved ones and they'll want to know I think for the for the future as well I think we'll all want to know because social care such an it's a huge topic and locally you know that in this part of the world we have a high proportion of elderly people social care is going to be really important and, and how that's delivered so I think there's going to be big questions as to how that's delivered and that relates to the home farm issue so there's there's a range of answers um, that people will be looking for in the weeks months and possibly years ahead and going back to sort of my original thing i think they'll also want to make sure as well that the the residents who live there the people who live there that their lives are remembered and the contribution that they made to their communities is recognized as well in a broader sense how will the keith mckenzie stamp be put on the the free press what changes will you introduce it's hard to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's never always going to be just about me. I think I would like the paper to be driven by the stories that happen in our community and by the people who live here. I think we need to reflect that uh, more than reflecting me. You know, I just want to to make sure that we are um, up to speed and up to date with what's going on so we can react to that and lead with, with, with these sort of things rather than just what I think. But I mean, I think you want to keep it lively. I mean, I think the paper's done a good job over over the years. So I don't think there's a lot of things we want to keep this, we'll keep the same. Um, there might be other things we want to, to bring up to date a little bit more. Uh, we might want to hear some more voices as well. We've carried out a reader survey as well. We did that online, just asking for feedback on what we do and what we might do better in the future. So we'll, we'll be using that to shape some of our, our changes too, I, I would think. And we've had some great feedback from that too, a very good response. 
As we mentioned earlier, the security long term of the, of the paper relies on the return of advertising. What are things looking like at the moment as companies come out of lockdown and maybe start to release their marketing budgets? Well, it is early days, but certainly I think we've been encouraged so far by the the conversations people have been ha- having. I think businesses are, are very keen to sort of try and get back on the feet and, and keep going. Probably the impact of coronavirus in a lot of ways people in, in the community have they have kind of rallied and pulled together and they're wanting to support each other um, so that'll be really important for us too um, you know we rely on on other businesses and hopefully they can rely on us too so yeah I think um, hopefully that you know people have, have certainly made the intention clear that they want to come back and um, they want to you know continue cooperating with us but everybody is just going to is waiting to see we, we really hope that second spikes and uh, you know various you know the, the clusters are are not going to take hold because you know, it could be it could be disastrous we, we've experienced the lockdown which has been i think you know very necessary and people have complied with it so well and we've got we've got so far but i think you know there's still a lot of hurdles to cross yet so i suppose we have to have a bit of an optimistic outlook as well and everybody has to try and go for it but uh, you know it's it's not we're not back to normal yet so um, I know when we when we get there we don't know but we have to just keep working towards it you've just put your first edition of the paper to bed after a long build-up but uh, you can't rest on your laurels uh, the production process starts all over again Yes, it does. Uh, there's lots still happening as well. We're actually having a little staff debrief this afternoon just to um, review this week's edition, and um, from then on, we just we just go again. We start drawing a list of, of the things that are happening, and uh, get some ideas together for for next week's paper. You mentioned earlier many of you are still working from home. How much are you looking forward to getting back in a newsroom and having that newsroom buzz? Yeah, you definitely miss that. I was back in, in the office on Monday seeing the production staff, but it's a lot quieter. The phones aren't going as often and, um, you know, it's just the usual chatter isn't isn't taking place just the same way as, to, as it used to. And, and you do miss that. There's no question about it. Um, you miss the, the face-to-face elements and, you know, I suppose in the, we're in the journalism business, but it makes communication that much better um, if you're if you're face to face but we are fortunate i think like you know the technology uh, these days it's great it allows people to work a bit more remotely and i think the the, the area where we live it's shown that people can work remotely so there might be a wee boost in the long term for our area if more people can can work remotely and, and stay here and work keith mckenzie thank you very much for your time and good luck in the job Thank you very much, Simon. And that's all for this edition of the Skytime podcast. If you have a subject you'd like me to explore or a guest you'd like to hear, please email simon at simoncousinsmedia.co.uk. Like the free press, in order to keep going, we need your support. Please get in touch if you'd like to sponsor Skytime or advertise your business on the next podcast. Until then, stay safe. Ahí va.